0: What is up, guys and dolls? We are coming at you from the glorious Impala Films headquarters in sunny End on It is the end of 2023, and that means it is the end. The season finale of the first season, the inaugural season of Second Take Cinema. Now, knowing that we were going to do a season finale, I thought to myself, we need to pick a film... That's worthy of a second chance. A film with a nostalgia factor, a film that was well liked, a film that was seen by all, and a film that actually probably doesn't deserve the reputation it has. Ladies and gentlemen, lace up your sneakers, put on your basketball vests. It's time for Space Jam. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, today we are taking a nostalgia-fueled trip back to ye old year of 1996 to watch an American live-action slash animated sports comedy, Space Jam. This was an absolute titan of a movie when I was a child, so I was five when this came out. Five years old. What year was it? 1996. Yeah, I was ten. I turned six at the end of the year. Yeah. I was 10, I remember it was huge. It I was always massive. Wanted to see it. I there didn't get to, though. There was a cross promotion with Walker's Crisps and Nike where you got the little um, uh, pogs, were they called? What, the caps that you smacked into each other? Or... No, these ones, they had slits in the side, and you could join them together to oh. build things. Oh, that wasn't Pogs. I don't remember what they were I'm... called. Oh, I know the ones you mean. Yes. Yes, I had some of them. Yeah, they were they Looney Tunes yeah, ones. Yeah, they're not Pogs. I can't remember what... And... I think they just were given their no you No, you could also basically play tiddlywinks with them. Yeah. Um, it was everywhere, this movie. It was. I remember seeing the trailer a billion times. I saw posters. This was... Do you know what? This was probably the first movie that I remember having a huge marketing campaign. Yeah, bear in mind we're in the UK. We don't even get the NBA. Over, uh, yeah, the NBA over here. Not really. Not not unless you have like the unique channels on Sky. Yeah, you actually have to pay for like the sports channels. Yeah, specifically for ESPN Eight, the yeah. ultra. But no, nobody. Yeah, nobody sits there and goes, "Be on today on the BBC. We're watching the NBA." No, we we prefer a much better sport, we, you know, a much more manly sport, where what, people where... fake ankle injuries constantly. Yeah, and cry like little bitches. Football. Football. Or as the Americans like to call it, soccer. I mean, soccer is also the correct name. Yeah, it's either way, it's garbage. But also football... Play some fucking rugby. It's also, like, football is also a more accurate name for soccer than it is for American football. Because, because they you use, use your hands. Yeah, Whereas you're not allowed to use your hands except unless you're the goalie mm. in soccer. So it is much more football. At least basketball makes sense. The yeah. aim of the game is put the ball in the basket. Yes. It does exactly what it says on the tin. Let's be honest, neither of us are sporty. Neither of us are sport, sporty type people. If we were sporty, we would not be doing this show. My <laughs> biggest sport influence is pro wrestling, which is obviously more drama than it is sport. I mean... And your biggest sport reference is running for a bus on a Saturday night. So anyway, this is Space Jam from 1996. It is directed by Joe Pitka, written by Leo Benvenuti, Steve Rudnick, Timothy Harris, and Herschel Weingrod. And of course, infamously stars basketball player Michael Jordan, perhaps the greatest of all time. Certainly the biggest of his era. Definitely the biggest at the time. I think I think he still very much is a contender for the title of greatest of all time. Yes, I think the general consensus, well, put it this way on uh, what they call family fortune family feud in america yeah Uh, I saw a clip where they did, you know, obviously they're going to poll an audience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They polled an audience for the greatest basketball player of all time. Michael Jordan was number one, followed by LeBron James and Kobe Bryant. Yeah. Um, Obviously, Kobe Bryant sadly died a couple of years ago. Oh, did he? Uh, Yeah, yeah, helicopter. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Very sad. Him and his son, I think. Helicopter crash. Yeah. Real sad. Uh, Not very old either. Uh, I was surprised Shaq wasn't on there because Shaq's a name I heard thrown out a lot. Shaq. Was Shaq any good, though? Who could say? Well, I think Shaq was good at basketball, but he he was mostly well-known for his martial arts career. (laughs) Such as in Shaq-Fu. All those Adam Sandler comedy movies he does. I was thinking more Shaq-Fu on the Mega Drive. So SNES as well, if you've... We're like the BBC. There are other competitors available for Shaq-Fu. Yes. There is also Um, a modern Shaq-Fu game. There's a sequel. Why? And I have it. Why? It's not very good. <laughs> of course it's not. But it's also different. Shaq Fu 1 was a one on one fighter like Mortal Kombat. Where well, you played as Sha- Shaq. Yeah. Shaq Fu 2, you still only play as Shaq, but it's more like a, a Streets of Rage style game where you oh, beat no. up multiple people. That sounds a little better. Yeah. Let's be At honest. At least honest. it's tongue in cheek, so it knows what it is. Let's be honest. It's never good when celebrities make games of themselves. No. I direct your attention to the 50 Cent video game. But to relate it to this film. The first Shaq Fu game has blatant Pepsi advertising, as does this film. Hey, Pepsi. Uh, the film also stars Wayne Knight and Teresa Randall, as well as a cameo appearance by Bill Murray and several NBA players, uh, including Charles Barkley. I think Larry Bird was in it as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, while well, Billy West, Dee Bradley Baker, Kath Suchi, oh, and Billy West. Danny DeVito headline oh, the voice cast. Yeah, I was I was gonna I was surprised at Billy West because I was like he normally does voices, but yeah, yeah fine. Billy West most famously, uh, basically, kind of plays himself when he plays Fry in Futurama. Right, he's the main character of Futurama, um, and basically he did so he made it so he can't not be the main character because it's. Almost entirely based on him, right? <laughs> but yeah, he's he's a he's also a master with his voice, so he can do multiple right. different voices. And he, again, he has done Looney Tunes for many years, including this film. Okay, mm. who does he play? Do you know? I have no idea. We'll look it up later. Um, uh, this comes in at a nice tight eighty-eight minute runtime. It had a budget of eighty million dollars. How much? eighty million eight oh. zero and made a whopping two hundred and fifty point two million which is nothing compared to its merchandising uh earnings yeah. which was one point four billion as of two thousand and nine. Well we, we're we, now in twenty twenty three. So I mean we on our sister show VGMP we kind of had a us- Something similar, but nowhere near on this scale with Tron, where, you know, the Tron sales didn't quite make it hold its budget back. But Tron as a property made shed loads of cash, mostly from merchandising and largely the arcade game rights sales. Uh, It seems like whereas this made a shed ton of money at the cinema first and then went on to make even more in merchandising. So uh, you asked me who Billy West plays. Billy West plays Bugs Bunny and Elmer Fudd in oh, this movie. Oh, uh, So it's not Mel Blanc. I think Mel Blanc probably was dead by this point. He may have done, or he may have retired. Yeah. Um, Dee Bradley Baker was Daffy Duck and the Tasmanian Devil. Mm. Danny DeVito was obviously the main villain, Swat Hammer, which I did not get that name at all in the entire thing. Well, I don't think they name the villains by name in the movie. No. Not it so like they're just the the is it the morons. Uh, Moron Mountain they're called the Monstars right yeah but he's not no Monstars was the name of the team yeah but and he's he not a Monstar no he runs Moron of, on Mountain yeah but we don't yeah again we don't get his name we don't get him no, King, sure they, president sure, or what I'm sure they only ever refer to him as the boss yeah but yeah, anyway, not, not deep on Laurie's space chat. <laughs> um, so I'm just looking up Kath Suchi, who played Lola Bunny. She's most known for playing Lola Bunny and also playing Linka in Captain Planet and the Planeteers. Oh, hang. On. Did you say Kath Suchi? Kath Suchi, yeah. Ooh. Uh, she also played Fifi LaFlume and Lil Sneezer in Tiny Toon Adventures, Minx in Gem, Bee in Mighty Max, and Dexter's Mom in Dexter's Laboratory. Yeah, she's been in loads oh, of stuff. Cassucci. She's Princess Sally Acorn in Sonic the Hedgehog. Yes, that's where I know the name from. Who could possibly care? Because that's a non-canon character. So let's move on. She also plays Cubert Farnsworth non- in Futurama. Character? Can non-canon character? Who no, Cubert Farnsworth is canon. No, Sally Acorn is not canon. Oh, not yeah. canon. Anyway, so critical reception. Uh, uh, On Rotten Tomatoes, Space Jam holds an approval rating of 43%, based on 86 reviews, Mm -hmm. with an average rating of 5.3 out of 10. Critical consensus reads, While it's no slam dunk, Space Jam's silly Looney Tunes-laden slapstick and vivid animation will leave younger viewers satisfied, though accompanying adults may be more annoyed than entertained. Um... Audiences polled by CinemaScore gave the film an average grade of an A minus. Roger Ebert and Gene Siskel of the Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Tribune both gave Space Jam a thumbs up, although Siskel's praise was more reserved. In his review, Ebert gave the film three and a half stars and noted, Space Jam is a happy marriage of good ideas. Three films for the price of one, giving us a comic treatment of the career adventures of Michael Jordan, crossed with a Looney Tunes cartoon and some showbiz warfare. The result is a delightful, is, a- is delightful, a family movie in the best sense, which means adults will enjoy it too. Siskel focused much of his praise on Jordan's performance, saying he was wise- he's w- he wisely accepted as a first movie a script that builds nicely on his genial personality in an assortment of TV ads. The sound bites are just a little bit longer. I, c- I can't agree with these two. No, if I'm being honest. Uh, <laughs> I I've never accused Roger Ebert of this before, but I think someone was paid off for this yes. movie. Or, or maybe um, maybe to be fair. To be fair, it could be a payoff thing but more more po- possibly without it needing to be corruption, could be that he watched it with his kids and they really enjoyed it. Uh, no, I, I'm, I'm guessing as well but it, it seems a little bit like that's too much praise from a couple mm. of guys who are generally known to be quite well on the pulse of reviews. Yeah. Now obviously people will disagree with stuff but a lot of the comedy doesn't land in this and Let's be honest, Michael Jordan's performance is not great. No, although there are caveats to that that we'll get to later. Yeah, 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 yeah. Looking at some contrarian uh, (laughs) opinions... Uh, Janet Maslin of the New York Times criticised the film's animation, although she later went on to say that the film is a fond tribute to the Looney Tunes characters' past. Michael Wilmington of the Chicago Tribune complained about some aspects of the movie, stating, We don't get the co-stars' best stuff. Michael doesn't soar enough. The Looney Tunes don't pulverise us the way they did when Chuck Jones, Frizz Freeling and Bob Clampett were in charge. Yet overall, he still liked the film, saying, Is it cute? Yes. Is it crowd pleaser? Yup." Is it a classic? No, though it could have been. TV Guide gave the movie only two stars, calling it a cynical attempt to cash in on the popularity of Warner Brothers cartoon characters and basketball player Michael Jordan, inspired by a Nike commercial. That's true, I don't know if you know that. It, is, yeah, it was yeah, originally yeah. a Nike commercial. Well, Uh, this director, as I looked up, had basically only really done music videos before. He'd done one feature film in the late 80s. Yeah. And that was about it. Everything was, including the night commercial. The night commercial this is based on. Yeah. He did. He also did a follow-up night commercial on Pepsi commercials. Okay. That uh, cashed in on this premise. So, basically, his career in the mid to late 90s was all Space Jam related. And finally... Uh, veteran Looney Tunes director Chuck Jones was critical of the film and its premise, opining that Bugs Bunny would not have enlisted help from others in resolving a conflict. Uh, it also won a Grammy Award. I mean, to be fair, though, there would have been no film. Yeah, exactly. Like d- d- sometimes. Yeah, he's, th- he's got a problem with the very base premise, hasn't he? Yeah, but, I mean, even then, like, it, then you'd basically have to go, well, then Bugs Bunny can't be part of the resolution. Yeah. Or just... Or, what he clearly wants is a Looney Tunes only film with no Michael Jordan. Yeah, but the problem... But Mike, no one would have watched that at the time. No. Looney Tunes lots... were basically dead by the 90s. Yeah, they were revived by this film and Tiny Toon Adventures. Mm. And even then, I mean, that revival didn't last. No, 2003 killed it off when they did Looney Tunes back in action. Yeah, and even then... <sighs> let's be honest, Michael Jordan was the main draw for this era. And... The main issue wasn't the Looney Tunes themselves. It was the Monstars, in my opinion. And last little thing, uh, it also won a Grammy Award and the MTV Movie Award for Best Song for the song I Believe I Can Fly. Which is the wrong song. It should have been Space Jam that won the award. And you are wrong because it's a way better song than that Space Jam song. Uh, but yes, R. Kelly, R. Kelly's a terrible person. I Believe I Can Fly is a great song. Uh, so Space Jam was one I chose I chose to do this as the finale uh, because I saw this as a kid and liked it as a kid Um, and haven't really seen it ever since and it's obviously got a very fond nostalgic memory for a lot of millennials and then they did a sequel a couple years ago, which is apparently absolute dog shit. It looked dog shit from the trailers, which is why I did not go to see it. I mean, to be fair, this is not a great film. No, no, though. but the memory was that it was a good film. So in the uh, st- this has nostalgia on its side. Do you think yeah, that may so- also happen for Space Jam 2? I doubt it, because this had a positive reaction, as we've just heard. At the time. There was a positive reaction at the time. Right. I don't think there was a single positive reaction I heard to Space Jam 2. No. Space Jam 2, at best, might get a, a revival a la Super Mario Bros. 93, at, if it's lucky. Yeah. And it may not even get that. Yeah. Because it's not even an original idea. It's just a rip-off of something yeah. that already existed. Yeah. Uh, so I decided to stick it in. You mentioned that you'd never seen it. So I thought, great, this will make a great season finale. Yeah, it's one I've always wanted to see um, because, obviously, I was it, I was the right age for it at the time. My parents wouldn't let me watch it because it's just... I, I, number one, we didn't have a lot of money when I was growing up. So going to the cinema was very rare. And my parents didn't want to waste money on something that was obviously capitalist garbage. Yeah. Oh, to be fair, I just want to be clear, I didn't see it at the cinema. For this, I bought the Blu-ray, and then I come around to Jamie's. I've got it on the hard drive for him, and he's like, we'll watch this in sweet, sweet VHS 240i. And, uh, Do you think it was 240? No, well, I think it was 240p. It might be. If it's 480p, then it's heavily crushed on the bitrate. Who could possibly care? I care. Was, was I the brought film... you the HD Was com- the film visible? Nearly. It was visible. Really? We saw everything that happened. Not really So stop moaning. No. It was free. <laughs> it's there. Anyway. Pretentious is the word you're looking for. No, pretentious is not the word. Pretentious I'm- is definitely the word you're looking for. No, it's not. Pedantic is the nice word you're looking for. No, that's not right either. It was free. It was there for you. <laughs> it was free for me. But mine was better. <laughs> Anyway, so for those who don't know, uh, and anyone who hasn't seen the film yet and cares about spoilers, turn off now because I'm about to spoil the plot to space jam. Uh, basically mean, it, it, you are giving it a lot more That's <laughs> why I said plot. That it deserves. That's why I said plot the way I did <laughs> with the with the verbal air quote more like plot Um, So basically, Michael Jordan is a super successful basketball player, decides randomly that he's going to take a break and go play baseball instead. That's a terrible idea. And anyone who knows reality knows that that was a terrible idea because he was a terrible baseball player. Meanwhile, in outer space, which is cartoon land, there is a space amusement park called Moron Mountain. That is run by Danny DeVito's alien character who's a cigar-chomping, fat executive type. And basically the kids at the theme park are like, this theme park's lame, don't ever bring me here again. And he's like, we need something, man, we need something to keep people coming to the park. And he decides they need something loony. So he decides he's going to enslave the Looney Tunes. Now, here's where we get to the first mind-boggling part of this movie. So you have our Earth, which is reality, supposedly. Michael Jordan exists. Our space is a cartoon land where Moron Mountain is. Looney Tunes land, which is obviously also cartoon space, is in the centre of the Earth. But that must itself have a cartoon space because it must, at the very least, have a cartoon Mars Because Marvin the Martian exists. And he's in this film. And he's in this as a Looney Tune. Yeah. Yeah. And you can see a sky when they're down there as well. Yes. You can see a blue sky. So, so, so what? It it would have been better if they made it multidimensional. Yes. Because it would make as much sense, but actually probably a bit more, because then you don't have this issue. Also, they circumvent what would have been an interesting idea, that actually cartoon space is almost all of reality and the human the space that we all inhabit in humanity is a small pocket between the two worlds. Yeah, we're just the weirdos. Yeah, that we're the freaks not the cartoon world. Yeah. Well they do they do you get one joke that capitalizes on that which is when when Michael Jordan tells them he needs them to go to his house yeah. to get his sneakers and Daffy Duck breaks the fourth wall and goes to the 3D world. Yeah and spits all over the camera did you notice that yeah I thought that was animated that... spit on the lens yeah and I was kind of wondered if that was meant to be like for 3D glasses effect but I don't believe this film ever came out no in it 3D never came way. out in 3D that was just a sort of breaking the fourth wall type thing right. which the Looney Tunes themselves do a few times yeah um, and I'm telling you now there's a couple times Michael Jordan does it <laughs> yeah he just looks at the camera and I don't think they're <laughs> intentional when Michael Jordan does it no I don't think they are either it's obviously intentional when Bugs Bunny does it because he actually talks to the audience, as well, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, these little teeny tiny aliens turn up in Looney Tunes Land and are like, Oh, we're going to enslave you all and force you to work in Moron Mountain. And Bugs Bunny pulls a trick where he he <laughs> he gets a book that's how to draw cartoons and he crosses out the title and changes it to how to capture cartoons. Yep. And he adds a page in that says you have to give them a, a chance and he tells them it's the rule book, and because they believe it's the rule book, they agree to it, because Looney Tunes logic. Yeah. So they say, okay, what chance do you want? And looking at the aliens and going, oh, well, they're all very teeny tiny, they're all like the size of Tweety Bird. Yeah. uh, He thinks, oh, a smart thing to do is challenge them to a basketball game, which at the time seems like a smart decision. Except it's then revealed in the next scene that none of the Looney Tunes know how to play basketball. No. But also that these beings can take powers from people in the real world so then yes then the the beings go and take the talent of five top nba players who i didn't know because i'm not a sportsy person right. one of them was charles barkley uh one of them was mugsy bogues i think his name was they go and steal the talent they turn into big hulking monsters huh <laughs> pun um and they challenge them to a basketball game we have an original animated character in this, which is Lola Bunny. Yes. And, Rory, let's skip ahead to the sequel. We're obviously not talking about the sequel, but when the sequel came out, Lola Bunny reprised her role. Yep. And it turned out people were people had a bit of an attachment to Lola Bunny, didn't they? Well, they had an attachment to certain assets of Lola Bunny um, that were then removed for the sequel. Yeah, they they decided to desexify her. Um, honestly, when they when people talk about this, because I when this when the second film came out, I hadn't seen either film. I thought it was a bit weird that people were so desperate to see a sexy Lola Bunny, but I thought okay, it could be that it's just a bit absurd that they just decided to blandify her characters because everything has to try and really pass a silhouette test, mm-hmm. um, and obviously there's always the concern that when you reduce and change a character's attributes, you might then end up failing that silhouette test. The thing is, I I didn't care either way, it was just an odd bit, but then when I watched this film, I realised that Lola Bunny has no character arc, no story, it's literally just here's a chick with a slim waist, big, well, sizeable boobs and swinging hips. But she's an animated and, rabbit. And don't forget her ears flop over her face like hair. Yes, and she she sexually flips her hair. See, I don't a, I don't have a problem with them playing the. Don't sort call of, me doll. I don't have a problem with them playing her sex appeal for Bugs Bunny. Mm. In the that that's fine, but when you're introducing a new character, give her a story, make yeah, her relevant. But to be fair, none of the Looney Tunes have an arc. No, that's none true of enough. Them. And and I think that's kind of the point, is because Looney Tunes don't change even in the original Looney Tunes show they don't because it's all it's more sketch comedy isn't it The Looney Tunes show as one episode would be made up of like three or four shorts how many times does Wile E. Coyote use Dynamite get blown up by his own TNT or fall off of a mountain Paint paint outside and then fall uh, paints a tunnel and the roadrunner runs through it but then when he tries to run through it he can't they do that (laughs) gag here and again I appreciated it where he he pulls down a, a sheet that's got a pin picture of a a, a hole something yeah. Uh, yeah it's like a hole in the wall and i think i think it is road runner isn't it he runs yeah. through it the e. coyote tries to and he hits a solid wall and yeah. it wraps him back up um what so let, let's get to this so, then well, let's let, just let, say let, can, finish the lola bunny thing yeah why now you know me rory you know i'm a sick sick pervert <sighs> i love sexiness in movies mm. love it but she's but, the only female but character. But this is a child. This is a children's film. Yeah. That fair enough. Okay. Yes, you're going to have parents taking the children. Yeah. But hopefully not cracking one off in the but cinema. Why would you choose to make the sex appeal of if you're going to have sex appeal? Having said why that, would it make? Why would you make it an animated bunny? Okay. That's even worse than Roger Rabbit. Yeah, yeah. At least in Roger it, Rabbit, it's an animated human woman. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, but then again, you're you're looking at a children's film. Where you've got someone who's designed specifically to be sexy hot, um, which is a weird thing if you think about it to put in a children's film. Oh, definitely it's um, a weird thing. Um, definitely it's I mean, a weird I, thing. I mean, I couldn't care less either way. Uh, but I, No, it was just weird the reaction when they desexified her for Space Jam But too. then if, it, I, I can understand why in a weird way, because in this film. There is nothing more to Lola Bunny than her just yeah. being sex appeal. So if you remove the sex appeal, she literally has no character. Yeah. She literally isn't... She shouldn't even exist. Because that's the only... That seems to be make a bunny and make it sexy was all that they got. I am and fi- that's all they gave. I am fairly certain she only exists in the first place because the lo- they realised that the Looney Tunes had exactly one female. And it was Granny. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, is Tweety a girl or nope. is? Oh, is he not? Tweety's a boy. Okay. I told I adore a puddy tat. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk about this then, because obviously we're talking about the how paper thin the story development etc. is of yeah. the Looney Tunes. One of the main issues is it's it's stated in the film, and I'm sure this is 100% accurate to the actual real-life sport, they play like a black-and-white tape of all white male basketball players. Mm, it's very <laughs> reminiscent, obviously this came first, yeah. but it's reminiscent of the tape from Dodgeball, isn't yeah. it? Where Hank Azir is like, Dodge, duck, dip, dip, dive, and dodge. Um, yeah. it's Take but- a break from that fine lead-based paint. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, this isn't funny, the way that it is in Dodgeball. But... It stated in that video that each it's five each, on five. It's five on five. Unlike all the others, sp- It specifically states unlike soccer or unlike football, unlike this, unlike that. It's only five a side, so, and we have five monsters, and it's always the same five. Yeah, but they we, never sub anyone in or anything like that. No, they just keep playing. When we get to the big match, at one there's one shot where I counted fourteen active space jam looney tunes Toon members including michael jordan yeah. um and this is before bill murray joins the team and this is before uh, wayne knight joins the team yeah. so there's still people who get added in yeah. and this isn't even all of them there were some that you see later in the uniforms who weren't playing during that seat that yeah. part of the scene so you're like there's at least 14 players on one side yeah and they just just getting schooled you know like, how are you getting schooled and you've got more than... You've got nearly three times the amount of team members than should be I, legal. I am fairly certain all the rules of basketball get ignored in the match. I'm pretty sure people are... I'm pretty sure there's a bit where people are travelling with the ball yeah. you're not allowed to do that. Um I'm pretty sure you're not allowed in basketball to jump on the heads of other people. I definitely know you're not allowed to strap dynamite to the opposing team's hoop no. and blow them up. <laughs> Wiley Coyote. With or, or paint their butt red to attract a ball. Yeah, from the audience. <laughs> Yeah, but the thing is, those things are inherent to the Looney Tunes universe. Yeah. But the 14v5 is not inherent to the Looney Tunes universe, nor is it inherent to the no. rules of basketball. No. It seems like... The thing is, the paper-thin characterization would have been made better had they picked five Looney Tunes yeah. and gone with it. Even if you had that's five the problem, isn't Michael it? Jordan, it's the, that, the problem is they're trying to give each of the big Looney Tunes a shining moment. But make them extras. Um, that's what I'm saying, though. They're, yeah. try, they're trying to give them all a top moment. And it's like, you can't do that. You have to pick... Five. Yeah. They could have done that. Have a but... substitution. Yeah. Have one get injured and then substitute them. Yeah. But they don't even do that because they don't keep track of injuries. No. Because for most of the game, injuries that are received don't last. Yeah. And then like, all of a sudden, it's like then... cartoon logic. You get flattened and then you get back up. And you well, a- Wiley Wily Coyote mode. gets literally dismembered at one point. Yeah, he turns into like six pieces and he? he's fine. But then in the next scene, after he's just been run over, <laughs> Bug's he's bothering. in. No, Bugs after that it's immediately after that. He gets dismembered into like six pieces. Oh, And then the Bugs finally gets bugs. sat, sat down yeah. on, and then Lola runs up to goes, Oh no, Bugs, and he's like, Oh my dying, I'm dying. It's like, you've just been sat he was in six pieces yeah. five seconds. Bugs, bugs takes a frog splash for her, doesn't he? <laughs> Though when we it when it gets towards sort of the tentative part of the match, what is quite funny um is how extreme the injuries are. Like, leg on is literally a cooked chicken. Yeah, with a, <laughs> that did blood, make me laugh. Having a blood transfusion. <laughs> to be fair, that did make me laugh. That yeah. was funny. But I was just like, these injuries were really too extreme. Yeah. <laughs> Tweety Pie is in a, what was it? A, a An d- iron lung. Yeah. <laughs> and he's not in it, because he's very small, isn't he, Tweety yeah. Pie? If you look, his entire body just fits on the pillow outside of the iron lung. Oh. <laughs> so the iron lung is there for no reason. Yeah. <laughs> Um, which is quite funny. yeah. Um, it's, and this is the thing, maybe we're applying too much logic to a film that is, you know, based yeah. on a commercial <laughs> and it's for children. Um, one thing... So there's but a couple, it would have made it better in terms of character development. And yes. Plot. Now, things I did not like, definitely did not like in this movie, I understand it's 1996. I understand animation technology is not where it is now. My God. My God. When they try to apply cartoon physics to the real actors. Oh well, It when is they... a surreal nightmare every time. So the first time is when they fold Michael Jordan, the Monstars, yeah, yeah. fold yeah. Michael Jordan into a ball, yeah. like a scene from Hellraiser. Oh, mate, it's, it's um, horrific. Honestly, it reminded me of, and it's not even that bad, there's a film called Wishmaster 2. Right. <laughs> Wishmaster 2 <laughs> has Andrew Divoff in it, and there's a scene in wishmaster 2 where a so uh, basically wishmaster is about an evil genie and right. it's a, it's a very typical be careful what you wish for narrative and in in wishmaster 2 he deliberately gets himself arrested because wh- who wh- where else in the world are more people going to be making wishes than prison right so he, he meets this criminal and he's like oh you know you could wish for anything and this criminal's like Okay, then, I wish I could uh, walk right through these bars. And the djinn folds him up into a tiny little package and slots him through the bars. Right. Uh, another guy, and this is one... That one works, to be fair, because you could crush someone like that if you were a all-powerful genie demon thing. Um, what, <laughs> the, one the, that, <laughs> the one that does not work, because biologically it literally doesn't work... Um, Rachel's boss from Friends is in it right um, the, her boss when she gets to Ralph Lauren yeah, the one who accidentally kisses her yes he plays one no, of, she kisses him she kisses him he plays one of the lawyers and the, this prisoner's wishes that his lawyer would go fuck himself oh, no. and the scene goes like this by the way I'm sorry if there's any children listening because it's a Space Jam episode we're not talking about Space Jam anymore <laughs> turn off <If> you're, <laughs> I don't think are if, if you're below <laughs> the age of 18 turn off the lawyer, played by that guy, is sitting. Is it Mister Zelman or something like Zelma. that? He's sitting there, and he falls forward onto the desk. His legs, which are obviously prosthetic, come up behind him. You see them rotate. So his spine snaps. Right. His own legs fold over his back, and start going up and down. And he starts making making noise like oh, oh oh and there's like a noise like he's getting fucked let me tell you why that doesn't work (laughs) the gin has just rotated his pelvis (laughs) which means that the dick and the ass are still on the other side of each other yeah yeah (laughs) so when you watch it as an image you're just like that's funny he wished he'd go fuck himself and he is and then you spend literally a one second of thought on it and you're like hang on that doesn't work anyway my point was, them folding Michael Jordan up into a basketball looks exactly as horrific as this. They don't stick Michael Jordan's penis up his bumhole. No, but they do <laughs> decide to do a fucking close-up of his face, Oh mate, badly that's... animated, being like... Honestly, oh. it's nightmare fuel. And There's then... a lot of weird close-ups of Michael Jordan in yeah, this. For some reason, the camera is always way too close to Michael Jordan. Do you reckon that's just because they didn't have, they ran out of time to green screen a whole set behind him? So they're just like, keep the camera close. <laughs> close <laughs> as you can get it. Maybe. Um. So that's the first horrifying effect. The second, re- I mean, then there's an effect that's not horrifying. It's just bad. Where the dog's really big. We'll come back to that. Yeah. The second really horrifying body horror effect is, Wayne is Knight? The, yeah. So after they've done the the flattening Bugs Bunny under a monster gimmick. Yeah. They decide to repeat the same joke with live action Wayne Knight. Yes. And this this is a body horror nightmare. David Cronenberg. Probably ejaculated in his shorts when he watched Space Jam, <laughs> and probably got jet. Probably the reason he stopped doing body horror movies was he watched this and went, "I can't top that, I can't beat it." <laughs> and that's why Existence was shit. Yeah, I can't beat it. I can't do that. This thing, like it, it's Wayne Knight flattened, and they go and put an air pump in his mouth, yeah. and his eyes are moving, so like he's still alive. Yeah, and they pump him up, but they over pump him, and he becomes so he's a, a big balloon balloon man. Man, you know what? There's some deviant art nerds who are jacking <laughs> off to this. A way knight. To Wayne inf- Knight? Well, that's where inflation porn people love to live, oh, isn't it? It's is deviant it? art. Mm. Oh, oh, God, he's going to pop. <laughs> is I popping can't... really a thing that people... Yes. Do you not know about popping? I do not want to know about popping. Let's move oh, on. Oh, Rory, you naive like, son I, of I, a bitch. When I heard of body popping, I, I thought it was dancing. I did not I think how, it was... I I love how childishly naive you are. It is both your most endearing and most repulsive quality at the same time. <laughs> Anywho, so that's the really horrific effects. But in terms of camera work, as we said, there's also some weird things with that. One of which is the excessive amount of close-ups on Michael Jordan. Yep. And second of all is the use of a particular shot, mostly associated with horror, that is overused to the extreme in this movie. In fact, it's, it's used so much that it feels like it's a mistake. And what, what angle? Were, yeah, yeah. The tripod leg was broken. Yeah, it like, yeah, Dutch angles. They're everywhere. Yeah. Now, Dutch angles are an important, can be used incredibly well in film. Um, I believe Predator utilises them in very good ways, things like that. A lot of horrors of Evil the eighties. Evil, Sam Raimi loves them. Yeah, and the, the good, basically what a Dutch angle is, is when the camera suddenly goes off kilter, almost like you've turned it diagonally to make the environment and the location and everything else feel a bit off, base that like it doesn't feel right now you utilize that in a point where either a realization is hitting someone or, or something is going bad so yeah or something surreal is happening yeah. something where you're losing touch with reality it actually makes sense in this film when michael jordan first goes to tomb land yes then it makes sense because she's like oh yeah this is michael jordan's like what the fuck is happening yeah he's, sort of he's completely off kilter because he doesn't know what's going on he didn't even know this was a real place so that makes sense. But when he it's it happens at the very end, after they've won the basketball match, he's celebrating with all of the space jammers, and it just the camera is pissed the whole time. And he's sitting there going, Hey guys, I'm glad we did this. We we all did a great job, blah 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 And you're like, Why are we Dutch right now? I don't understand. Why are we Dutch at the point where the equilibrium has been restored? Yeah where, you know, they've won, it's happy ending, everything's fine. Yeah, and that's, that's when it feels like mistakes were made or there were errors or something they were trying to cut just, out of the just frame. just poor choices. Yeah, yeah. Um, in, our, in our opinion, obviously. Yeah. Another to be po- fair, this dude has made a far more successful movie than, any of, than either of us have, so... Yeah. Um, I'll tell you what was also a big mistake in this film, and people, people will probably fight me on this, um, and it's not that I dislike him either, but Bill Murray in this film is a big mistake. Um, agreed. Like, agreed. What the fuck's ca- he doing here? Yeah, he, he, he's playing it like, oh, I'm just a guy. Oh, I don't really care. You know, blah, blah, blah. But because of the type of film it is, it feels like he shouldn't be there. It feels like literally they they found Bill Murray on the golf course and he's just like, oh, eh, whatever, but I don't care. Did you not notice that for a period in Bill Murray's career... That was his career. Was yeah. turning up in cameo roles in films he had no business being in. Yeah, he doesn't need to be in Zombieland. I know a lot of people no. fondly remember that bit, yeah. but he doesn't need to be there. He doesn't need to be in here. And I'm going to be honest, and I know this is, I know I'm in the minority here, but he's, I've, I do not find Bill Murray funny. Okay, never have. Uh, see. I'm. I, I don't have that negative a reaction to Bill Murray um i didn't enjoy groundhog day but then i don't tend to like looping films right um whereas i liked him in ghostbusters he's still not my favorite character even in ghostbusters but you know i'd like him in ghostbusters i like him in different things i thought he was quite good actually in Zombieland, even though i think that film is wildly overrated the this particular cameo his character does basically nothing of consequence until the end, when all of a sudden he's brought in as a substitute fifth player. When he, he's they suddenly need D. one, Deus Ex Machina, isn't he? Yeah, he turns up and he goes da 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 I can't even do it. He does the Warner Brothers Looney Tunes thing. And the only meta joke you get, which, you know, children, this would go well over children's head, is when they say to him, how did you get down here? He just goes, oh, the producer's a friend of mine. Yeah. It's Ivan Reitman. Which is Ivan Reitman, the director of Ghostbusters. Yeah. And it's like, I think also the director of Groundhog Day, actually. No, that was uh, was Harold Harold Ramis. Ramis, Yeah. Who plays Egon in Ghostbusters. Yes. Uh, Because that's it. Because Groundhog Day is the film where they fell out, isn't it? Yeah, it is. yeah. Yeah um i I don't need that joke <laughs> that's not a good enough joke <laughs> to, to justify his appearance for me no um it, it also there was bear in mind they had like fourteen other players at least they could have substituted him with someone else or they could have when they did the whole bit where bugs bunny got properly injured he could have been out of the game and then this would have been his point to come back into the game there was a million different ways they could have played it. But instead, they introduce a character who doesn't need to be here, who's not even in basketball. And I know that's meant to be the joke, but we have already doing that with the Looney Tunes. Yeah. So it's not, like, it's not like we're watching four other top basketball players fight against the monsters, and suddenly here comes Bill Bloody Murray. Yeah. We're watching people who are shit at basketball, and here comes someone who's shit at basketball. That doesn't add to the joke. No. Um, no. So let's talk about things that do work in the film. Um, Some of the comedy does work. Um, Nearly Mm. all of it is the Looney Tunes stuff. Pretty much nothing with live-action people lands at all. And even the Looney Tunes stuff kind of only works because it's calling back to the nostalgia of the classic Looney Tunes gags. Yeah. So it's stuff like... Uh, Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck are in a dark tunnel, and it does that animation trick where the whole screen's black except for their eyes. They disagree on which way to go. Daffy Duck goes off on his own and is like, "Hmm, I should be here right about now." Lights up his lighter, and boom, he's in the doghouse. Yeah, that's a joke that's been done a billion times in Looney Tunes. Yeah. Um, things like Bugs Bunny, re- the, you know, getting out of it by writing the rule book. Yeah, and it's clearly fake, but they fall for it these are not revolutionary jokes. They're not laugh even for nineteen ninety six. Like putting myself back into nineteen ninety six, these these, these not... have been done a million times throughout well, lo- Looney Tunes. When well, you think Looney Tunes have been around since what the nineteen forties? I think they started at the very least. Yeah, definitely the fifties. They were like that was like oh, the they were height of that. Their... Right there, yeah. you go then. Um, I think some of them may even it. have been the thirties. Yeah, that's, some, that's the, the, the bit where ones. I was unsure was if any existed in the thirties. The um, point is they've been around a long time. Yeah. So, or, um, to be fair, it's hard to come up with new jokes when you've done so many shows over so many years. Yeah. Um, some of these jokes have been done better in old Looney Tunes. Some of them felt, I don't know, it, uh, there was a bit of a... St- I don't know if they're staccato or what, but there's something about them where they just don't seem to have the right comedic timing that they needed to have in order to land some of them. Um, Some of them are overdone as well, but there's some bit where the sound editing is really bad because there's music playing and the music is so loud over the Looney Tunes doing their thing that it actually distracts you from the punchline or from the action. Yeah, Um, but one of the things that I did like, and one of the biggest problems with this film is that they don't do more of it, is when Daffy and Bugs go to Michael Jordan's house to pick up his shoes... When they're in the house, they get they go to his trophy room. They're opening like cabinets and moving Draws chairs. And shit, they yeah. don't do much of it, sadly. But those bits are really well done because yeah. it makes them feel like they're in the world. Yeah, it's somehow more impressive putting cartoon people in the real world and having them interact with real objects than green than is, Michael Jordan. than it is having Michael Jordan interact with cartoon objects. Well, it's because all you need to do is slap him on a green screen, and the animators will do the rest. Whereas yeah. by having having animated characters interact with real world objects means you actually have to put some thought process into how those objects are going to be interacted with how are you going to hide the fact that there's either someone or some pulley string object system pulling those items around yeah um and that makes it more impressive and immediately makes them feel more like they're there yeah um if the film was a little bit more in the real world, that might have been more impressive, but yeah. it probably would have dropped the budget. But even then, 78 million in the mid-90s was huge. Oh, this was a huge film. Yeah. Um. So something that my memory was wrong on was I I definitely remember Danny DeVito's character being in this film a lot more than he actually is. Yeah, he's he, kind of a glorified I, cameo as I, well, I, really. I reckon they had him for a day. Yeah. Yeah, I reckon so. And he does all, a good it's job. It's all voice Danny, lines. Yeah. Danny DeVito always always gives you what you ask for. Mm. So a year after this, literally a year after this, Hercules, he would he... do a much better voice performance as Philip T.T.'s in Hercules. But again, I don't think his voice performance is the problem. No, he's, he's not the problem. No, they're, they're, it's there's just not better much character. Yeah, there's not much character or, or development or anything for his cause. He's barely in it. He's just kind of there for when the monsters yeah. start to lose, he goes, Right, you guys need to win now And then they yeah. do. And there's no reason for them to suddenly be better. They've just been told to be better and they do it yeah it's 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 the power of belief is it maybe jay that um this film so (laughs) i was surprised how little the nostalgia affected me as well bear in mind i saw this as a kid i thought i would have a lot of nostalgia for it right um i actually didn't I was hoping to get a massive nostalgia hit because even though I didn't see it, you knew Looney Tunes. I knew Looney Tunes. I'd seen loads of press about it during the time because, again, I was ten. I was the target audience, and I really wanted to see it. <laughs> also, the music in it—pretty much all of it—are bangers that I've, I own and listen to regularly, including the Yeah, it had. Was it TechnoTronic? Anyway, it's got techno. It's got technotronic in it it's you know all of these house tunes that i have and mm. listen to on the regular right so including the space jam theme itself um i've got the whole album by that artist i can't remember their name of the life of me right now um but yeah I, so i do listen to this stuff i felt like i'd get not necessarily first wave but like second hand nostalgia yeah. from recognizing these things and i did a little But it wasn't enough to give the movie any more shine. Right. Um, And something that... I'll be honest. There is something that I always thought even back in the day about the animation. That is still a problem for me now. Um, To me, it was always very obvious that when they shaded the characters... Yeah. They were utilising a really early, very basic form. Probably... I used to use it in Macromedia Fireworks... Uh, that's how old it is. You know, like fireworks doesn't exist as a thing anymore. Um, but it was a graphics editing suite, kind of a bit like Photoshop of its yeah. time. Uh, and basically you can do this in Photoshop nowadays. You'll find it very easily in the settings. It's emboss in order yeah. to make the, uh, characters seem more like they're there. They emboss them, but it's like a, a an overly smooth type of gloss yeah. to give them a fake shine on one side and a darkness on the, the other, other. Yeah. Um, but it's really lazy and I don't think it looks very good. No, and I, I even mean, I won't time... lie, I won't lie, in the 90s that really worked for me. One of the things that blew me away about Space Jam when I was a kid was obviously the Looney Tunes in the TV show mm. don't have that. They're very flat, 2D, solid colour. Yeah. Um, Cause I had the same thing with, but I find it I weird think that I didn't like it in the nineties. I think it's Scooby Doo on Zombie Island where yeah. they, they actually it was the first time in Scooby Doo they went to the effort of putting shading in. Oh okay. Um, and both both that and Space Jam, I remember being like, oh, the characters look weird. I can't think why. And then I was like, oh shit, they've got shading. Yeah. So that that worked for me as a kid. As for now, it, it didn't ruin the film. Like I wasn't sat there distracted by it. Yeah. Um, I was more distracted by how none of the eye by how a lot not none of it's unfair of me to say none of, a lot of the time the eye lines don't match when it's yeah. a human character talking to the yeah. Looney Tunes. Uh, you're a bit, which I think is another reason there's so many close-ups yeah. of human characters. It's so they don't have the to deal with the eye lines. Yeah, yeah. Because um, like Wayne Knight, when the monsters catch him. He's looking entirely the wrong direction. He's looking. They've obviously put the camera on a crane and brought it down to get him, you know, looking right up. But it's meant to be Danny DeVito's character he's looking at. Yeah. Who's about the same height as Wayne Knight. Yeah. Like that'd make more sense if he was looking up at the other Monstars. Yeah. But he's meant to be looking at Danny DeVito. Yeah, I reckon that in the initial. When they filmed the live action pieces, it wasn't Danny DeVito (laughs) that was there. And then they changed it in the animation stage. But obviously, you can't change the footage you've got. No. Um, Certainly not in 96. Yeah, but I remember in 96, disliking the shading style. Right. I was like, I like shading. I like when, you know, but I like it to be hand-drawn through. Yeah. um, And it felt cheap. Um, And I remember that, it being 10 years old and going, why is... I really wanted to love it because it was the big thing. And I was like, I like Pepsi. Uh, But... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and michael jordan is a big name and i love the looney tunes and but just thinking the shading looked cheap i don't know why um and that well as i got older i obviously learned more about mm. shading techniques and figured out exactly what it is that i didn't like yeah um but yeah we so one thing we've not talked about we talked about the not matching up we talked about shading and talked about all this stuff Sometimes things aren't correct, like aren't in proportion to other things throughout the whole film. The biggest the version of this is the dog. So we first see the dog before Michael Jordan goes to uh, Looney Tunes World. Yeah, and it's and, just a dog. Yeah, it's like a bulldog. It's a bulldog. Yeah, yeah. it's a bulldog. It's got a big head, small body, uh, but it runs up to him uh, and licks his face. Yeah. And then, and you can see the size of it. It's about the size of a human torso. Yeah, it's the size of a bulldog. Yeah. Um, when Daffy goes into its uh, doghouse, c- dog it seems a little big, but it's like you can understand why because he's in and meant to be in an in- enclosed yeah. space. Fine, but when they're actually in the house and stealing stuff from the trophy room, the Daffy opens the door to the dog. The dog is a. Well, the dog's bigger than the door frame. The dog is the size of Godzilla. Yeah, <laughs> it's insane. Like it's whole face is wider than the door frame. Because it's obviously been filmed separately and yeah. then green screened in, hasn't it? Yeah, but and they had the no idea of how to do it relative wrong. to size. Yeah. Um and then when it pushes through the door and stands on like the basically the door falls on Daffy Dark and it's standing on yeah, the door. This this dog knocks this entire door off its hinges. Yeah. No wonder they put it in the dog house. <laughs> but do you know what I mean? How? Yeah. How? Yeah, I don't know. But it's because it's a giant dog. But that's mm. never stated again. Like, the, the giant no. dog comes in, terrorises them for a bit. Michael Jordan's three kids come and go, oh, don't yeah. worry, we got the dog. And you in guys those, go. And in those scenes, the dog is normal size again. Yeah, in relative to them. And walks off and But Daffy and Bugs aren't yeah. tiny compared to the kids. No, because we know that later when they're stood next to Michael Jordan. Yeah. So it's like, if there's no... And and also they're tall enough to reach the doorknobs and stuff at almost normal height. Yeah. So it's, it. This makes no sense, and it can't be considered to be this was an afterthought scene, because it's the the story doesn't work without it. So it's clearly yeah. pre-considered. What happened to the dog animations that made them have to cheap out like this? I mean, the blue screen the is do- also terrible as well. Yeah it's clearly blue screen uh, no it might be green screen it's there's... green screen if yeah. you look at the making of it's all yeah, green yeah yeah I was just going to say because there's a lot of blue... there's too much blue left on the dog actually there is there is a bit in in the behind the scenes this is literally a bit where Michael Jordan's playing basketball and it's just him on a green set with a bunch of people all in green <laughs> and you're like fucking I bet Michael Jordan still, ha- still wakes up in the night shivering dreaming be fair, about being attacked by a horde of green people I don't think there's much more to say, to be honest. Yeah, it's a, it's disappointing. The film doesn't live up to the nostalgia, but then again, that is the essence of nostalgia: is that often it doesn't live up to, yeah, what we remember. Yeah, because we remember it through a rose-tinted glass. Well, you especially can never go back something... to the era and what you were feeling at the time, can you? No, so... and especially not when you were a fucking child. Yeah, yeah, the simplicity and and also certain elements of this would have seemed new at the time in a way that they are like green screening actors on such a big scale would have been pretty new not completely new but relatively new uh, in terms yeah. of its scale at the time this was definitely the first film i saw because i didn't see who framed roger i right this was the first time i ever saw cartoons interacting with real people right okay um yeah but even so like nowadays green screening actors onto things they basically name me a big budget movie that isn't just that now, that. now they do it when they don't even need to. Oh, yeah. They're just like, oh, I can't be fucked to build a set green screen. Yeah. Um, I I hate that. I do. I agree. <laughs> um, which probably sours this a little bit. Not completely, because it is of a different era. But it means that it's just kind of another one of this green screen fest. It's the a Herald. A what? It's the Herald of the coming age. Oh, I see, yes. Herald of Galactus. a Harbinger, yes. Harbinger's a good word. I like the word Harbinger. Harbinger of Doom. Um, I don't really have much more to say about Space Jam, actually. No, it was Uh, a relatively entertaining watch, but I would never watch it again unless I wanted to go back. Unless I was showing someone 90s cheese, then I might give it another whirl. Certainly hasn't got me stoked to see the sequel. I don't know about you. I mean, I wasn't stoked to see the sequel anyway because the, the whole no. reason to want to watch this one was 90s nostalgia. Yeah. Ain't nobody got nostalgia for 2020. <laughs> oh, fuck no. No, of all the years, that's <laughs> not the one anyone's got nostalgia for. So that does it. That is the season finale of season one of Second Take Cinema. It is our last episode of the year 2023. Uh, We will be back in 2024 with a whole bunch of new films. We've got guests lined up. We've had like one guest episode this year where we had Benton and Dave on to talk about Halloween. Uh, But next year, we have got all sorts of guests lined up for you. We've got loads of exciting films ranging from uh, ranging from blockbusters and crowd pleasers all the way down to world cinema films and weird, freaky, artistic little things and just some fucking weird shit that I like and no one else could possibly care about. Uh, but, yeah. So, Happy New Year, everybody. Uh hope you celebrate in style, however you're celebrating. And until... 2024 it's goodbye from me jamie evans and me roy justin have a happy new year and we will see you next time